Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 200 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Miley's Lime Story, an interview with Alexandra and Madeline Castellanos. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Matt, the Lime Wars are real, and on the front lines of this war are young people, children with immature immune systems. And many of our followers have argued that in order to be able to succeed in overcoming the challenges of the Lyme War, we need more LLMDs. And I have to part company with them. I agree we need more LLMs, and I agree we need more LLDs, but I don't agree with merging them together. And I mean by that is we need more Lyme literate moms and Lyme literate dads. And I think if we have a model or we need a model for Lyme literate moms, we have one in Alexandra Castellanos. Rich, Alex is certainly an LLM. One of the things we talked about on this podcast interview is how there's probably so many children out there being misdiagnosed with behavioral issues, and they likely have a tick-borne illness. Alex is jumping into the community and starting to network and advocate for young children, and she's going to do even more of this in the future. We look forward to working with Alex as she continues with this cause. So Matt, we keep arguing to our followers that if you want to shortcut your journey, you should be looking for someone who has already achieved the goal you want to achieve and then model them. Well, I think every parent should want to model Alex Castellanos in that she found the way to get from a bite to a diagnosis to a treatment protocol that ultimately allowed her daughter to have a successful outcome. And I'm really excited to introduce Miley's Lime Story and Alexandra and Madeline Castellanos to the Tick Bootcamp community. Hey, Madeline and Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. So Madeline, can you start by telling us where you live? Um, well, we live in Los Angeles, California, and it's really nice here, and we love this. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot right now. <laughs> yeah. And Madeline, how old are you? I am nine and a half years old, and my birthday's coming up, which I'm super excited for. Oh, well, happy early birthday. Thank you. So, Alex, can you tell us about where you grew up? Yeah, so I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I've been here my whole life. Um, and so has Madeline. So we are California natives, California girls. <laughs> so Alex, I'll start with you. Tell us about what you learned about ticks and tick prevention and Lyme disease in your childhood. My goodness. So it's so interesting because I, like I said, I grew up in California. So I spent my summers and my winters doing family trips, going to Yosemite Park. And I guess I grew up knowing that ticks were just something that would possibly happen if we would go hiking. And I distinctly remember having one of our cousins had a tick in his belly button and it was nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. I remember my dad actually got a lighter and he just lit the tick and the tick came out and that was it. We just never thought it was anything, um, bizarre or weird we just thought okay there's ticks out in the woods and you just either light it on fire back and it'll back it up and that's it I never heard of Lyme disease I had never thought that ticks were dangerous I just thought of it as it was just a you know a regular insect so that's basically how I grew up and I thought that up until Madeline was diagnosed with Lyme so really you thought they were just a regular bug that can bite you. They were a nuisance. You'd pull it out yeah. and move on with your life. Yeah. <laughs> and in hindsight, looking back, do you think that burning the tick to get it out was the proper removal process? Oh my goodness. No. And if anything, like what I know now, it's 
almost so comical because I think about like how we grew up and then just thinking about, you know, going to Yosemite and how casual we were about it. Um, it's, it's insane to me because like, I would never do that knowing like what I know now, even now, I think maybe even a year after Madeline was diagnosed, I would put her in leggings and I would have like socks rolled outside of the legging. And that was just to probably go outside. <laughs> and, um, that was not in the woods. So definitely, you know, my mind has changed about ticks and the experience and everything that's happened. So now yeah. do, you do you recall ever being bitten by a tick in your life? No, no, I do not. I've never been bit by a tick. Um, I've never had a bullseye rash, nothing, so. So Madeline, talk to us about what you knew about ticks and Lyme disease before you got sick when you were five, if you can remember that far, that far back. Um, I probably didn't even know what a tick was. I don't think so, huh? No. Yeah. I just yeah. probably thought when somebody said tick, like it was a clock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we're in California and a lot of people just, you know, especially where we live, we live in the city. So a lot of people don't even say that there are ticks in California, let alone in Los Angeles. So it's really nothing that people speak of. If anything, when Madeline was diagnosed and, you know, the mention of a tick was even brought up, it was like, oh, like how, or where were you? Or how did this happen? Or were you on the East coast? That was like the number one question I always got was, were you on the East coast? Well, I'm assuming that Growing up, Madeline wasn't using any sort of tick prevention methods like a natural spray or doing any techniques to help her prevent a tick from finding her and biting her. Absolutely nothing. No. Mm -mm. And, and talk to us about the education there, because here in New York, if you go to parks, you do see occasionally signs, you know, beware of ticks, use tick repellent. Uh, it's on the news occasionally. Do you ever hear anything about Lyme disease in California on the news, any signs at parks, anything like that at all? We don't, I don't, I don't recall anything. And, you know, we go to a lot of parks, even when she was younger before the whole, you know, Lyme diagnosis thing. And I don't recall seeing any signage at the beaches, parks. Um, I don't think we've gone to any forests. I don't think you've seen any with, tick signs. Yeah. I, I don't recall seeing anything like that. No. So this is a question for both of you, for Alex and Madeline. Do you, do you know anybody in your lives that has been impacted by tick-borne illness like Lyme disease? Yes, we do. We do. So ironically, my aunt, and I'm going to say the city because I think it's so important that people hear where my aunt and my best friend live. So my aunt lives in Fullerton. It's a city in California. And it's so important that I say this because a lot of people are so surprised when I say that my aunt who lives in Fullerton has Lyme disease. And she contracted it here in California, probably in her city. Um, my best friend who lives in Azusa, California also has Lyme disease. And so it's so important. And I always share that the cities and the locations of where, you know, my aunt and my best friend are, because a lot of people just think of these cities as places where you would never, you know, get Lyme disease. So yeah, so I have those two people and now Madeline. So I know three people in my inner circle that have Lyme disease. So from the standpoint of recognition, when your aunt was diagnosed and your best friend was diagnosed, do you think that there have been some changes in California locally to be better aware that Lyme is a potential risk in cities like where you guys live? 
No, no, I don't think I, I've seen anything. If anything, it's probably more on social media. I do recall seeing something um, along the lines of they were reporting that there are ticks at the beaches, which I thought was really awesome. So I do recall seeing that. I, I do feel like that article came from the news, like a news channel outlet. So that was really good. But other than that, I, I don't think I've seen anything. All right, so Madeline, talk to us about when you first got sick when you were five, if you can remember what your symptoms were and how you started to feel differently then. Well, I mean, I was a super hyper kid. Madeline was always hyper. She I'd run around. Yeah, she stopped taking naps. I would have to say even at one and a half, almost two years old, she has always been a very light sleeper. She just doesn't need a lot of sleep as it is. And I noticed that she was starting to take naps. She was starting to fall asleep. I think we were driving over to a play date at her friend's house and she fell asleep in the car and it was time to get out. And she just told me, no, she didn't want to go. She'd rather sleep. And I thought that was just so bizarre because all of a sudden my child was just sleeping. So, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And they did get headaches. And then I remember once we were at Target and then we were like, come on, let's go in, Madeline. And then I couldn't walk in their number. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Your mm -hmm. legs were. And you had to carry me. Yes. I remember that too now. Madeline, talk to us a little bit more about that. When you say you couldn't walk, were your, did your legs hurt and you couldn't walk or you couldn't move your legs? Oh, like they hurt so bad. Like I couldn't mm -hmm. walk. So now when these symptoms started, was there a tick bite or any kind of bite that you experienced, Madeline and Alex, you recall that that would have triggered these symptoms that now looking back could have been a tick bite that caused Lyme disease? Do you want to answer? Do you want mom to answer? Yeah. So I do recall that Madeline had a bite on her arm and I and it formed a massive, massive rash. It almost took over her entire arm. And so I did end up taking her to urgent care and we were dismissed. And I feel like after that bite, however, I do want to stress, I did not see a tick on her. There was no bug. There was nothing there. It wasn't even a bullseye rash. Just this rash in particular was just bizarre and large. And it literally took over her entire arm. And so I did take her to urgent care and we were dismissed. And then I feel after that uh, visit is when all the symptoms started happening. And I would have to say maybe for a good month, month and a half, we, she, like there was just something off with her. It just wasn't the hyper vivacious Madeline. So the symptoms started pretty quickly after that bite. Definitely. So Madeline, do you remember the bite? Um, kind of, cause, or like, do you mean like when I was bitten? Yeah, you remember the bite and the rash, and if, if so, can you tell us how it felt? Was it hot? Was it itchy? You know, what kind of feeling did it have? I don't really remember. Um, what was it? I don't, I don't recall if it was itchy or hot. I, I personally don't remember either, um, but I would definitely say it was weird. It was, it was, it was bizarre. <laughs> it, was, it was a really large rash. So was it a large rash that was that was fully colored? Was there a bullseye in it? Was it raised? Do you remember any details about the rash? It was definitely a bunch of red. It was it was red. raised and it was red. It wasn't a bullseye rash. Um, I would definitely say 
a month and a half after that, then that's when we started getting the funky bullseye rashes. She had one populate on her arm and then on her leg and her inner ankle. So before the bullseye rashes, Alex, did you think that the change in your daughter's energy and her new symptoms could have been related back to that rash or is just the education so non-existent that you never connected the two together at that point? I did it and I feel so bad for this, but I have to be like really honest about this. So I kind of just thought Madeline was maybe just not wanting to go to summer school because she was at summer school at the time. And I just thought maybe she was telling me that she's tired or she has a headache or she doesn't feel well to go to school. I really thought that's what was happening. Um, So looking back on it now, obviously, you know, her symptoms were true and they were real, but I just took it like she just didn't want, she was just being a child who didn't want to go to school because it was summer. Obviously every child wants to stay at home. And then it was a really, really, really hot summer. I remember that summer, it was hotter than usual. So I just thought those were also symptoms of the heat. So talk, talk to us more about a month later after the rash, when, when Madeline, you started to develop the bullseye rashes. So Madeline, I'll start with you first. Do you recall those bullseye rashes when you started to develop those a month after the first rash? Um, I do remember like looking at them and I kept like looking at them. And I was like, I don't know. I just kept looking at them for some reason. And where like, where were they, Madeline? Were they on your arm, on your legs? Where were they where would they show up on your body? Um, well, one was on my arm, the other one was and then later I had one on my leg and then my ankle. And I think they were all bullseyes, right? They were bullseyes. The first one populated on her arm. Yeah. And then I would, gosh, I can't even recall, but I, within days, um, the other ones were coming up. And so, yeah, we, I knew something was wrong. <laughs> Alex, now that you knew something was wrong, did you take Madeline back to the doctor to say, hey, look, she's not feeling great. Now she's developing new weird rashes. What's going on? I did. So as I mentioned, my best friend uh, who has Lyme disease, she had been kind of informing me about her situation and her symptoms and everything that she had been going through. So I was somewhat familiar with Lyme disease. I would maybe say like my education on it was about like 5%. I just knew like the basics of it. I knew there was a bullseye that was related to it and a tick. That's about as far as my education went on it. Uh, so when I saw the bullseye rash, I thought, oh my goodness, this is like what my best friend has been telling me that she has. And this is a symptom of what she has. I thought something is not right. So obviously I didn't take her back to urgent care because we got nowhere there. And so I called our general doctor. He was not available. So we were sent to go see his physician's assistant and she was very okay with the rash. It was not suspicious to her. It was nothing to ring the alarm. And she sent me on my way home and she said, mom, it's okay. Like you're fine. (laughs) Go home. So we were going home and I ran into our doctor in the hallway and I said, please look at her arm. I said, something's not right. So he went ahead and he looked at it. He freaked out and threw us in a room, thankfully. And he's like, wait for me. So we did. And thanks, thanks to him. I mean, I owe him everything because he saw it and he knew what to do. 
But Alex, I know, thankfully, your doctor listened to you, but you went there with the knowledge at the time that you had because of your friend that yes. this could be Lyme disease because of the bullseye rash, correct? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the PA dismissed you, even though we know today that a bullseye rash clearly indicates definitely you have Lyme disease. Yes. So I do believe because now I'm starting to remember, I'm I'm remembering now that she's was asking if we had a tick, if we had traveled anywhere, we had gone hiking, if we went to travel and my answers were all no, 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 no. So therefore in her, in her experience, this was a go home and put Neosporin on it. But not to be too critical of the PA, Yes. Most patients who suffer from Lyme disease and even chronic Lyme disease don't remember the tick biting them because ticks do have a lot of properties like an, an antihistamine and a lot of a lot of stealth tools they use to to not allow the host, meaning us, the humans, to know they're even biting us, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you think that this is something that that can be improved in the California area for PAs and doctors to recognize that a lot of patients never even know they're bit by a tick, and if they have a bullseye rash, it should be treated seriously and they should be treated for Lyme disease. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm still, I'm still confused as to why this is not something that they're educated on or updated on. I feel, you know, even when I was in there, it's like, I feel like we're living in, you know, like the 1950s, like it was almost like the medical books have not been updated and just no one's aware of it. Before we get back to Madeline with a few other questions, Alex, I want to ask you, Do you feel that there are any factors that cause the PA to dismiss you? Because we've heard from a lot of past podcast guests that that age, gender, and also appearance matter when getting a Lyme diagnosis. So Madeline probably looked very healthy at the time. She probably was acting very healthy at the time. And you're coming in and they could be looking at you as a stressed mom. So do you think those things really had any sort of influence in, in the PA's decision to just dismiss this as a rash and you overreacting to your daughter? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I definitely felt I was the the overly stressed mom who goes in for anything, but I'm not. So I definitely feel like that's what happened. And yeah, you know, a lot of people thought that probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Madeline, do you remember this doctor's visit when you went? Um, a little bit. What? They drew your blood. Oh, yeah. I know you would remember that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's scary. Oh, nobody likes getting blood drawn. So Madeline, do you, did you put on a brave face when you went in there? Did you go in there trying to be normal and put on a brave face for your doctors? Uh, no, I don't really do that. I just kind of tell them that I always just hope that I don't have to get my blood drawn in. <laughs> That's been the worst for her. <laughs> yeah. So Madeline, when you were meeting with the, with the physician's assistant before the doctor ran into you and your mom when you were leaving, did you tell the physician's assistant that you were having these new symptoms, that you were tired, that your legs hurt really bad, and that you didn't feel right. Did you tell the doctor that? Um, No, I think you did, right? Yeah, but you know, now thinking on it, I don't think I even stressed it too much because like I said, I I feel like my knowledge of Lyme was just very basic. It just involved, you know, a type of an insect and, um, you know, a rash. That's as far as it went. It didn't go any further than that. So as far as like the symptoms, I don't even think I really put her tiredness, the migraines, um, you know, the, the aches in the, in the legs. I don't think I really connected that to what was going on. I think I just really said like, Hey, this is a rash. I need medicine. That was it. 
that's all I, you know. So Alex, you really just thought that she had a bullseye rash and had Lyme, but you didn't connect any of her symptoms to the Lyme disease. You just thought the rash was the only symptom she had for Lyme. One, yeah, yes. So thankfully your, your encounter with your doctor was a much better encounter and he pulled you into the other waiting room. So at that point, unfortunately, Madeline, did you have to get blood drawn? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> everyone heard. <laughs> oh. Yeah, everyone heard. But it was something that had to be done. And, you know, thankfully, it, it came out positive. And I, at the time, had not even known that that was something that was even so rare and unheard of. So everything just really lined up for us. We're really, really lucky. As weird yeah. as it sounds, I think the fact that you had a positive test really mm-hmm. is something that, like you said, is, a, is a, a lucky turn of events because many people have Lyme and get a negative, a negative test. And they, there are a lot of false negatives that come out of Lyme testing. So did the doctor the, tell you that, Alex, when you first got the blood work at that appointment? No, he didn't. My, um, our doctor... And I love him so much because especially for him looking at the rash and using his common sense. And I thank him for this. I'm like, use common sense. He saw it and he knew he's like, I don't need to test her. He's like, I know what this is, but he's like, we're going to test her also. And we're going to start antibiotics right away without, without getting the results of the test. So um, with that, I just, I just really feel like we, we just got lucky and we, we did. So talk to us about, was there a discussion, Alex, between you Uh and the doctor regarding antibiotic treatment? Because children sometimes can't get the same antibiotics as adults. So did you have a discussion about what antibiotics would be appropriate to treat the Lyme disease? So I, I, I did and I didn't because our doctor, when he did, when he did tell us that, you know, it was positive, he just said, you know, this is where I stop. Like, I, I don't know how else I can help her. I don't know where I can even guide her. He even said, I don't know any Lyme doctors. He says, so right here, this is where I stop. But I, you know, I wish you guys luck, but he's, and he's awesome for that, for being so truthful and honest about that. So he did just prescribe us antibiotics. He's, um, he did prescribe her, I believe, amoxicillin, but she couldn't take that due to um, an allergy. So he did give her septin. And he, he gave her, you know, a couple of weeks and with that couple of weeks, then I began doing my homework and I, I joined some Facebook groups and I learned that I needed to look for a pediatric line literate medical doctor. So talk to us more about the amoxicillin. So Madeline, do you remember, did you take the, the medication at first and have a, a reaction and not feel good from it? Um... Wait, is it the one like that? The septum, remember the two? Yeah, do you remember the septum? We could, you couldn't do the amox. So we, I put you oh. on septum. It was white. Do you remember it was refrigerated, and yeah. we had a trouble with it. Uh-huh. Did it make you feel different? No, I just don't like the taste of medicine, really, because I mean it's kind of just weird tasting and the texture. So I. So medicine doesn't really make me feel weird most of the time. Like it has to be like a really medicine that I'm probably going to be allergic to. Um, but I'm not allergic to that one. So it didn't really make me feel different. I don't think. You were fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
So on the on the set then um, you were fine, but so so Alex, you mentioned the moxicillin. I believe that that Madeline had a re, an allergic reaction to, correct? No, no, no. She she could she can't take a moxicillin like period. So that was his first choice. He wanted a moxicillin, but we couldn't do that. So then that's why we ended up going with Septin. Gotcha. So I'm not sure if that's maybe like second place on the tier. I, I think it is because I, and I even wrote that in our, our notes, Madeline was not um, a candidate to do Doxy. So back then Doxy was not for children eight and under. Now it is. So that's, that's a different ball game too. So were you looking for anything when you started treatment? Because you never connected the symptoms to Lyme disease, only the rash. So were you solely looking for the rash to go away based on the treatment with the Seftin antibiotic? You know, looking back on it now, possibly, yes. And then I would have to say maybe um, even a week into it, I think I after joining the Facebook groups, I think I realized like what we were actually involved in because I was still mentally thinking that Madeline was probably going to take four weeks of Septin and then we were done. And then joining the Facebook group is where I really, really understood exactly what Madeline was officially a part of now, (laughs) because those moms on there, they really, you know, they explain to you everything and then they go through their experience and you start realizing this is not a four week situation and we're walking away from it because I thought that's what was happening. Alex, was that the prescription that was prescribed by your doctor? Was it a four-week prescription of Seftin? Yes. Madeline, talk to us more about your symptoms. So were there any other things that you felt that were not good, that made you feel sick or bad? So you had your, you mentioned you had your leg pain, really bad headaches, and you were tired. Was there anything else that felt different and off when you were sick with this? Well, recently my eyes have been weird, like, Light sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think before we even started this, I asked her if she wants us to turn the lights off. She just does better, you know, with the lights off. Mm-hmm. And that's very common with Lyme disease. Do you have Madeline noise sensitivity as well? Does loud noise sometimes make you just feel overwhelmed and not so great? No. no. Oh, thank just goodness. <laughs> just, just me. Uh, <laughs> so at the end of this four week window was your, were your symptoms any better, Madeline? Do you remember when you finished this medicine that you didn't really like the taste of, were your symptoms any better? How did you feel? Um, I don't really remember. What did I feel? You know, I don't even recall. I just, I know within that four week time span, we had probably already taken her to Connecticut. I had already found a doctor. So I think that that whole four week was a blur for us. It was just work, 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 work. I just recall even my parents jumping in and trying to find a Lyme literate medical doctor that would see a five-year-old child in California. It was so challenging. And even now speaking of it, I have so many parents that come to me and they say, Oh, I had no problem finding one in California. I actually have the opposite. I had the hardest time to find someone that would see Madeline 
because of her age. I would have to say their treatment age would start at age eight or nine. So um, even my mother remembers calling and we would just end up hanging up because it just wasn't, you know, a place that Madeline could go to. So those four weeks, I don't know if we really focused on if she was getting better or not, because we literally were just like working. We were just working the phones, trying to get in. And then if you do find someone, then it's like, oh, sorry, we have, you know, a wait list or we have, it's going to take a month to get in. And somehow we managed to get into Dr. Jones over in Connecticut. So Madeline, thankfully you have such an amazing mom who realized that you needed some more help than that you were getting. Do you remember what this was like for you at the time? It must've been weird and maybe scary to see your mom and, and your grandma, it sounds like making all these phone calls, trying to get you into doctors across the country to another state. Do you remember what was going on at the time and how you felt about it all? Um, I probably like just looked and was probably thinking, why are you on the phone like for so long? Cause they'd be like, I know you would be on there like forever. Yeah, I, I called so many places and I, yeah, I probably looked and sounded like a complete maniac on the phone. <laughs> I might've even like cried. So um, I'm pretty sure did you understand why I was calling? No. I no. Just thought it was a business call. Yeah. I don't think she understood exactly what we were going through. Yeah. So Alex, talk to us more about your research because you jumped right in after, and thankfully your doctor put his ego aside and said, I don't really know Lyme. I'm going to get you started, but you need to see a specialist. And then yeah. you jumped to, to, which is kind of crazy to begin with, but thankfully he was so honest and many doctors don't do that. Then you jump to Dr. Google, which is a great resource, but there's so much conflicting information out there. And, you know, things like the Lyme Wars, conflicting information. So what was that like for you to research an illness that your daughter now had and to see all of the conflict and conflicting information out there? How did you respond to all that? You know, I, I really have to say that I am so lucky and obviously we don't want to know people that have Lyme, but knowing that what my best friend was going through, cause she was kind of dealing with the same thing. I knew that whatever looked bizarre or odd online was probably true. And that's why I needed to tackle it. And I needed just to go, you know, you know, all in with everything. Yeah. So were you, at this point, was your best friend and your aunt giving you advice based on their own experiences? A little bit, a little bit. It, it was just, it's so different when you're trying to find a doctor for a child and when you're also treating a child. It's so, so different. And it's one thing that I would like to, you know, really stress is when I go on my Facebook pages, the ones that are not geared towards children, just overall, and you'll have, you know, a mother on there that's seeking advice for their child and then other people you know, adults will chime in and say like, well, why don't you try this and this and this? And, you know, I, now I know based on, you know, some, a little bit of experience that I've had, I'm like, wait, no, you can't do that. It's a child. Like, you know, their bodies are different. They react different. Um, so I just, I feel like I, I don't want to say that I rely too much on it just because it's a totally different arena that you're in, you know, the way that my best friend found her line literate doctor was rather simple. She probably made two or three phone calls where I know myself and my family, we probably easily, you know, 
made 20 calls in California to try to find someone that would see Madeline. So it's different. Yeah. So Alex, talk to us about the differences that you've learned from going to these Facebook groups and also from your, from your best friend and your aunt. What are some things that adults can do to treat Lyme that parents need to be careful not to do with their children? And we have a lot of people listening that are parents of young children who are suffering from Lyme. So I wanna make sure we focus on those differences and, and highlight how you overcame those differences to treat Madeline. Okay, so I'm gonna speak specifically on Madeline. Um, for example, the IVs. Uh, we definitely cannot do that. I do know and I have seen other parents do that for their children. However, I know that that's something that we cannot do. And I also have seen on the Facebook groups, you know, sometimes adults will suggest that, you know, the child can do that, but it's really invasive and you need to be careful because just because an adult can do it and an, an adult can sit there, doesn't mean that a child can do it. You have to remember where they're at mentally, where they're at in life. I mean, they're young, they're, you know, they're going to get scared and versus where an adult can actually, you know, comprehend it, understand what's going on and be a little bit more in tune and relax with their body, I feel. Um, so I feel like that's one major thing, uh, or even the peptides, there's no way that I, my daughter, again, I'm going to speak specifically on Madeline because I have read and seen kids that are doing this. I just know that that's something that we definitely cannot do because it'll just create stress and it'll bring back all of the symptoms that we don't want, that we've worked so hard to not have. So let's explore that because I don't think a lot of people truly understand the impact stress can have on a Lyme healing journey. So how did you learn that? And, and why is that so important in, in Madeline's journey now in recovering from Lyme disease? So I definitely, this plays a huge role with us. This is probably number one in our home is just to keep a stress-free Madeline yeah, because, and Mad, you can definitely chime in on this because for example, math is one of our biggest struggles and one of our biggest stresses, and it has caused so many setbacks in yeah. treatment and, you know, where I feel like maybe Madeline is fine and in quote unquote remission and we'll just have a bad math day because as I mentioned, we do homeschool and you know, it could be almost like four months of calmness that just went out the drain. The hardest subject for me. Yeah. So it stress is so important because, or keeping, you know, a stress-free life is so important, especially for us, because it tr truly can trigger Madeline. Just, you know, it can literally mean, you know, months and months of hard work. And I mean, hard work of eating clean, being stress-free, it could just throw it all away. Madeline, talk to us about what that means for you. If you have a really bad day in math and you're really struggling and frustrating, what kind of symptoms do you experience? Meaning, how do you feel? What, in what way do you feel bad after a bad math day like that? Um, I feel mad. I feel like I just want to sit down and just watch TV. I you get migraines. Yeah, I get headaches. And then I just get really mad. And hot. Mm -hmm. get sweaty and then the AC never really works because it takes a while to turn back on and everything and 
it's just not really good with it. So yeah. <laughs> so talk to us more about the anger because Alex, have you heard about Lyme rage? Of course. <laughs> Do you, is that, is that, is, is that, I don't mean to, you know, put a label on it, but is that kind of what you think that Madeline is experiencing when she reacts to this, that she's, she's experiencing Lyme rage? 1000%. We definitely went through a lot of that, especially when Madeline was on Bactrim. So that was, that was something that we definitely had to pull from. We would go off and on of that one because that one was very, very, very challenging. Um, I know that one could probably be considered more of a hoax, but it definitely did bring out some of that, the Lyme rage and also math. Yeah, it definitely does bring out Lyme rage where it's almost like you can't truly communicate with the child. So Alex, was Madeline experiencing these types of problems before she got sick with the rash and Lyme disease? Was she ever an angry no. person responding that way? No, not at all. No. <laughs> Is there anything that you can do, Madeline or Alex, that you that you can remember that will help you? So if you're having a bad math day and you get a migraine and you get really tired and you're really angry, is there anything you can do, whether it's even just watching a movie or any medicine you can take or anything you can do to help you feel better when you when you feel that way? Just probably taking a break because I remember like we would do one packet each day mm -hmm. and then we stopped timing me because it stressed me out because yeah. I couldn't think the problems that straight and then you had to get a certain timing and I couldn't do it so then I would get stressed out so then we stopped timing me and then I started to take breaks during the math yeah because each day just breaks, taking breaks. It's so important to take a break and listen to your body and listen to your child because otherwise you're just going to upset them even more. And you have already lost your child. You essentially have. And it's, it's just, the goal is to try to get them back and to bring them back to you and to keep them calm. Alex, talk to us more about how you found Dr. Jones in New Haven, Connecticut. I know you mentioned that you spent hours and countless days fighting with doctors to see Madeline and treat her. How did you finally land on Dr. Jones and what made you decide to go across the country to treat? Sure. So as I shared earlier, I had a really challenging time finding a doctor that would see Madeline. And this was purely because of her age. It wasn't because they weren't seeing patients. It was merely because she was five years old and she was just too young. So I went on Dr. Google, as you call it, and I Googled best Lyme pediatrician in the world. I literally Googled that. I could tell you exactly where I was. I was in my parents' living room. I used their laptop and I pulled it up, found the number, the hardest office to get a hold of. They never answer. And I, I say this jokingly because he is known for this. So any other parents that were with Dr. Jones will totally understand everything that I'm saying. They never answered their, their phones. So it was so hard to get a hold of them. But I knew when I had Googled him and I read up on him that I wanted Madeline to go there. And there was just no other doctor in my eyes that we were going to go to. Like we were getting in. So it sounds like you almost had to stalk him to be able to get an appointment for Madeline. Oh my goodness. We faxed him. We emailed him. We called, I would probably say 10 times a day. I left numerous voicemails because that was the only way that they were operating. 
like I said, he uses fax machines. So that alone should say a lot of how we were trying to communicate with him. And then finally, um, my stepdad somehow got a hold of someone in there. And that's basically what opened up the communication. As an IT professional, hearing that he's still using facts to communicate makes me cringe. But I do, uh. I do, I do want to draw an interesting parallel here because it sounds like when you're dealing with children with Lyme, that the parents have to fight even harder than adults trying to find a Lyme litter doctor. And I think we don't talk about this enough. We interviewed Olivia Goodrow, who is the founder of the Live Lyme Foundation, and her yeah. mom, Holiday Goodrow, who's actually just this week is has been appointed the um, the co-chair of the tick-borne disease working group at the federal level, she is perfect fit for that job. So we were very excited about that. But she actually had to fight and she literally stalked Dr. Horowitz and had to pick him up from the airport and basically be his, his driver to get Mm -hmm. him to see her daughter. So it sounds like you had to kind of do a similar thing where you had to really just be super aggressive and have your, your father-in-law and your, and your mom. And you had to just be basically knocked down his door until you saw Madeline. Yeah, we did. And, and it worked and it, it happened. And let me tell you, this, this is how interesting it is. So they said, we're going to email you the application and then you're going to mail the application. I thought, no, this is not like what I want to do. I just thought, how do I know it's going to get there? I was like, wait, you want me to send an actual hard copy that Who I does wrote? that? No, it was so crazy. It's just thought I can't email this back to you or they're like, no. And I said, what about facts even? And like, no, we want the hard copy, like in a yellow envelope. And I just thought, okay, we got to roll with it. So what we have to do. So we did it. Well, Dr. Jones, you sound like a great Lyme doctor, but please upgrade your technology, please. I know, (laughs) I know, no, it's, it's so, it's so funny. And he still handwrites all of his notes. So, yeah, but, um, it sounds like it was worth it. So talk to us about how you finally got an appointment and how long was the wait? Because you mentioned some of these wait lists could be months, if not years to get into see a doctor. So as I mentioned, when Madeline was on that four week Sefton run and it was just kind of a blur because we were all just like hustling and working. And I don't know if anybody paid attention if her symptoms were getting better because we were just hustling at that time. We got in within five days. So that meant that we had to like book tickets, book a hotel. Um, So it was, everything was a blur. It it truly was. I mean, we were a machine. Well, it sounds like you were very fortunate to get in to see Dr. Jones five days later, considering some of my doctors have a year plus waiting list. It was insane. And I'm telling you, we were lucky from seeing our general doctor who saw the rash and did not require a test, a positive test to get antibiotics. So we were lucky there. We were very lucky to even get a positive test and we were lucky to find Dr. Jones and get in right away. So Madeline, talk to us about what this was like for you. Now you're getting on an airplane, you're sick and you're going across the country to see a doctor. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, I love to travel. So I was perfectly okay with it. But what I was not perfectly okay with is whenever I had to go, I had to draw blood. Yeah. Yeah. So I do recall the first visit at Dr. Jones. I didn't think we were drawing blood. I just, I don't think Madeline did either because she had just done it with her previous doctor, the one who died, who did the Western blot. And at Dr. Jones, I think we did 14 um, vials. Oh, 
Madeline, I'm sorry. That sounds that sounds horrible. But he gave he gave her a large Gatorade prior, <laughs> and we didn't know why. So you're sitting there, and he's like, "Here, here's a Gatorade." And I was thinking, okay, first of all, I do not allow Gatorade in the diet period. <laughs> and he's like, drink that drink up. And I had no idea what was coming. She had no idea what was coming. And so when he said, Oh, we're going to start doing um, lab work. I just thought, okay, that's fine. You know, I will go with it. I assumed it was going to be like one or two. And then they just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And he, um, yeah. Yeah. It was a machine. <laughs> So let's put this in perspective time-wise. So this, you were still five. This happened pretty quickly. You had the rash and then a month later you had the bullseye and then you went to the doctor. And then within four weeks, you were now at Dr. Jones. So you're still five years old. How old are you today, Madeline? I'm going to be 10. On September. On September. So this is, this is about four years ago. Is that right? Yeah. So from your perspective, Alex, walk us through what this doctor's appointment was like with Dr. Jones compared to your experiences with doctors and also your experience with Madeline, her doctors, and how it was just so different seeing a Lyme specialist. Well, Dr. Jones alone is an experience because as I mentioned, you know, you're using fax machines and he handwrites everything. So that alone is an experience in itself. And he's so knowledgeable. And what I truly loved about Dr. Jones is he really does care about, you know, the youngest of, of the young with Lyme. And he truly has dedicated his entire life to them. I mean, when we were there, he even told us that he was treating even a baby, you know? So, um, I would definitely say though, the difference is obviously it's, it's much more costly. That's, that's a huge difference compared to our regular doctors is the cost, the time, that it takes the drawing of blood and you start learning about different labs that you're working with. Whereas if you don't have Lyme, you don't know what Igenix is. You don't know what DNA connections is. You don't know what galaxy galaxy is used for. Maybe if you want to test a certain co-infection. So you don't really know that language until you're in a Lyme literate medical office. Alex, talk to us more about that. So what labs would you recommend now based on your knowledge from Dr. Jones and Madeline's journey for Lyme and various tick-borne illnesses? I personally loved Igenix for Madeline. So I, I really love that. Um, unfortunately, it does involve blood. We have tried uh, the urine one. That one I felt for us, again, was kind of a hit and miss. So I, I personally love Igenics. I know we did um, a follow-up just on our own with Igenics. So I, I like Igenics. Now, when Dr. Jones drew all his blood, did he send everything just to Igenics or is he sending it to different labs to see which one would, would possibly hit positive? No. So the reason why he takes so many vials is because he sends them out to multiple different um, labs. And so he has some that he likes for certain co-infections. As I mentioned, Galaxy, he likes them for a certain co-infection. And he we did do Igenics and gosh, I can't remember the other lab, but he does he uses different labs and then he compares them. You know which lab Galaxy, I'm sorry, which co-infection Galaxy is best used for? Is it Bartonella? I believe so, yes. So now were you staying in Connecticut at this point? Were you there at a hotel or were you there just for a one-day visit and going back home? 
No, what we ended up doing, so we used to visit New York very often. Yeah. So we used to just every go to New York. single Halloween. Yeah, we used to even go every Halloween. We stopped, but we used to go very, very often. So we used to just, we began taking um, the train. So we just go from New York to Connecticut. But yes, essentially we would stay in Connecticut. There's a hotel that's very close to Dr. Jones and we would just walk. And you'd stay in New York. Do you have at a friend's place? Did you have a home in, in New York? Is that why you would stay in New York and then take a train in? We had a friend. Yeah. So we stay with a friend and then you just take the train and it's a really nice train. <laughs> so now talk to us about the, the treatment protocol. So you were still on or just finishing up the four weeks of the Sefton and now Dr. Jones is doing all of his blood work. Does he prescribe Madeline with something different or is he waiting for the blood work to come back before figuring out how you're going to treat the Lyme disease? No. So we went ahead, you know what? I, I do recall that we waited for the blood work to come back and that took a while. So we waited for the blood work to come back. And then after that, that's when we found out that she had Lyme, which we obviously knew. Right. And then she had um, Babesia, Bart and, and oh gosh, something else. There's another, I can't recall, but I think our two main ones that we treat are for the Babesia and the Bart. So Madeline, what was this like? You, you were staying in New York City, taking the train in to see your doctor, and you really didn't fully understand what was going on, it sounds like, from what you said. Were you just having fun with the, the travel and being in a different place? Yeah. Yeah. We would even um, go visit Yale. So we would try to make a trip out of it, you know, because it is scary and it's not fun for kids, essentially, because, you know, you're it, it, it was. Yeah, doing blood work, it's not fun. And so you want to try to make the trip not seem like an errand. So we made sure to incorporate, you know, fun stuff for Madeline. And it was fun. We even met some college students that told us, you know, to sneak in and you can swing on the Yale swings. <laughs> so you have to make it fun for them. You know, and we looked for the best pizza places. So do you recall which pizza done? Did do you recall which pizza place you felt was the best one in New York? As a fellow New Yorker, I'm curious. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> not in New York though, in Connecticut. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. In, them in Connecticut. Connecticut. <laughs> um, in New York, okay. I'll get back to you. Okay. You'll By the end of this, I'll, I'll. Oh no, or maybe I'm too afraid. I don't know. Okay, you can follow that's up afterwards. That's, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good ones you can't pick. So at that point, you waited for the results to come back. And unfortunately, Madeline now has Babesia, Bartonella, Lyme, and another co-infection as well. What was the treatment protocol prescribed by Dr. Jones at that point? Okay, so she went ahead and we started right away with Rifampin, Bactrim. Um, my goodness, I'm trying to blank. I wrote it down. Hold on. The autopovitone. The worst. Oh, oh, that was the worst? No, no. Um. Like the autoclobitone? No, no. I oh, yeah. Think, Which one's the red powdery? The red powder was the rifampin. Oh, rifampin. That one was the worst. Yeah, rifampin's the worst one. Yeah. But Madeline, why didn't you like the, the red powder, the rifampin? Um, well, explain to him why it's red powder. This is another difference with adults and a five-year-old is five-year-olds, most of them don't take pills. So explain to him why it's powder. 
because it's in a pill and then like open it and then like we open it and then like we get the powder and like you just put it in a spoon with juice and then like you just eat. sometimes the powder gets stuck in your throat on your teeth mm-hmm. uh-huh, the taste it was her least sweet. favorite and did it taste really bad madeline yeah Ugh. that was her least one huh? and then there was this yellow one that was like paint the autoquovatone yeah that's it was like gloves in the dark. <laughs> then there was one more, and that one I would drink it all day long. It's like that was bubble back gum. trim. It was like a pink bubblegum substance. Yeah, but that one gave you the the worst migraines. Yeah. We kept having to take you off of that one. It was good though. So with the with the back trim and the migraines, do you think that was because that was a Herx reaction, Alex? Is that do you think you think that's possibly the reason, I or do you think it was a reaction? I do. I do feel like it was a Herx reaction, but it was almost too intense that it would keep her from going to school. And so we would, we, we ended up just having to pull back from it because it was just too intense for her. And, you know, she's only five and she's so tiny. So the rifampin and the bactrim antibiotics were probably used for the Bartonella and Lyme. And then the, I can't pronounce it, that out of the Quinn, I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but that's for the Babesia, right? <laughs> the yeah, that, that's for the Babesia, correct? That's the anti-malaria drug used mm-hmm. for Babesia? Yes, yes, yes. And how, how did Madeline respond to that? Was that one, that she, was there any herxing there? Because we've heard that, that herxing from Babesia can be very aggressive as well. Do you remember what it was like? Do you remember some of your symptoms after taking the medicine? Um, I think the medicine helped. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember like ever feeling bad or having bad days or no? Um, well, sometimes. I feel like her stomach would get upset. Not, not in, um, or more like it was, it was unsettled. It more of a stomach ache, like a pain. We definitely, you definitely had that. I do recall that. So talk us more about at this point, you, when you're in Connecticut and you're treating now with this new medication, were your symptoms the same, Madeline? Were you, did you feel any worse? Was, it, was there anything else that was bothering you besides your headaches and your knees and being so tired all the time? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no. So how long, how long did Dr. Jones put you on these three medications for? A year. It felt like a year or two, huh? No. So, and again, I was so naive still, even though I knew I was starting to gain so much knowledge through, you know, Facebook and, you know, meeting with Dr. Jones, but I thought we were only going to be, or I thought Madeline was only going to be on these three antibiotics for maybe two months or three months. And so it seemed like whenever we would have the follow-ups, And I would ask like, okay, so are we going to stop like next week? Are we going to stop like in two weeks? And he would just say, no, no. And I would never really get a clear answer. But to answer your question, Madeline did 10 months straight nonstop with the exception of back trim. And that was just purely because that gave her probably the worst symptoms. It would really, really affect, you know, her little head. And it was those migraines were really, really bad for her. So do you think, Alex, that if you weren't so aggressive in diagnosing and then finding a Lyme specialist, that the Lyme would have progressed and it would have been much harder and much more severe to treat Madeline? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I used to think about that all the time. Like I used to think, gosh, like with her symptoms right now, the way they are and they're, 
you know, I know for like the Lyme community, it could be considered mild, but for us, I mean, they were, they were pretty, you know, I don't, I don't know if severe is the right word, but when you have a five-year-old and they have those symptoms, you know, like the severe migraines and just things are going south. Um, and that's not your child, you know, like, it's just, it's just so sad. Like the sooner you catch it, Mm -hmm. then the better because the later you catch it, it's way worse. Yes. And please don't take this the wrong way. I I don't, I just think you're not, I don't think you really, it is, I think it is, it was very severe. Migraines alone can be debilitating. So I think that, okay. Yeah. I just, I really do believe that this case sounds severe, but I I also want to credit you, Alex, because it could have gotten even worse. I believe if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. It could have. And I've met other, you know, parents along the way who, you know, their children are ultimately homeschooled for physical reasons, also mental reasons, because maybe they can't, you know, keep up or, you know, it's too stressful or even, you know, it's, it's, um, tiring on them. So definitely. So that's, you said it was eight months in total, correct? For these three medications, a 10. So at the end of the 10 month window, Madeline, when you stopped taking all the medication, did you feel better? Um, I felt the same. I was a lot happier. I think I recall you were doing better a couple months. She was doing a, a little better. Uh, I would probably say at the sixth, seventh month mark, because I recall I, I jumped on a call with Dr. Jones and I said, she's doing really great. I said, can we stop now? Because um, these heavy antibiotics was, it, it really bothered me. It wasn't something that I really wanted Madeline to be on, especially because I just thought she was going to jump on one. I had no idea what co-infections were. And I had no idea that we were going to get involved with three heavy antibiotics on a little body of a five-year-old. So I was like ready to get off of these as soon as possible because I didn't want it ruining her gut. And so I do recall jumping on a call with him, asking him, I said, Hey, she's feeling better. She's doing great. I think the symptoms are gone. Can we just pull off? And he told me, no, he's like, because it could just, you know, make us go backwards. He's like, you got to just keep pushing forward and making sure that we're getting everything. So Alex, talk to us more about the gut health. Cause you mentioned that you were concerned about all these antibiotics. Were you doing anything either on your own or with Dr. With, with, um, Dr. Jones to address the gut health and the side effects of the antibiotics? Sure. So we kind of did our own thing. Dr. Jones um, doesn't really have a plan or he doesn't really execute gut health. So I just kind of did my own thing. I ended up again on Facebook with other moms and I ended up finding other probiotics that they were using. And I ended up putting Madeline on those probiotics and I was doing them two hours apart from the antibiotics so that the antibiotics don't attack the, you know, the good, the good bacteria, the good, what I'm trying to, you know, replenish. So once again, now you've become Dr. Alex, you know, this, this unofficial Dr. Alex hits Dr. Google and gets all the right information to protect Madeline's gut while treating Lyme with these aggressive antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so I know from, from discussions we've had offline that there was also some discussion or use of herbs as well. It sounds like maybe Nutrimedics and the Byron White protocol. So where did that come into play? Okay. So after, you know, the 10 months we were doing great. Um, I would have to say even for like a year, 
we did, Madeline was doing fantastic. She was, there were really no symptoms. She was almost back to, you know, a normal childhood. And then something took a nosedive. I don't know exactly what it was, but we were full blown back with symptoms. And so um, my mom ended up finding a holistic or a naturopathic doctor out of San Diego, which is much closer to us. We don't have to fly out there. And, um, so we ended up switching over to her, Dr. Nicola over in San Diego. And she's the one that got us on, you know, the Byron whites and the Nutramedic. And this is Dr. Nicola in San Diego, you said, right? Yes. And she works with, with young patients that are suffering from tick-borne illnesses like Lyme. Yes. So how long was, was Madeline symptom-free or, or almost back to normal before she had the resurgence of symptoms? I would have to say it was almost a year. It was, it was a, quite a while after, after that 10 months thing that we did with Dr. Jones. I mean, she, she was awesome. Huh? Mm-hmm. It was almost like it never happened. <laughs> so like age-wise about seven, maybe? Probably. Yes. Yeah. So Madeline, talk to us what that was like for you because you were doing so much better and then you got sick again. So what, what did that feel like? And what were the symptoms that made you feel not so good anymore? That's when you were in Mrs. Uh, Miss Bogan's class. Do you remember? I think that's, that's when, yeah. When you said seven, I remember the grade now. That was Miss mm-hmm. Bogan. Do you remember what, do you, do you remember your symptoms? Yeah. Um, so I feel like she, so in class, it was kind of different because the grade was harder. And so you think just keeping up with school was? Yeah, I couldn't really keep up. I was always behind. And then like. Can I tell you what I, what I knew? I knew something was off because we had back to school night and I saw the writing in her books. And I think that's when my heart broke. See, I'm going to get to it because I saw her writing in the books and I just thought, okay, that's not Madeline's writing. And I knew something was off and I told her teacher. And of course her teacher said, there's nothing wrong. She said, um, she said, maybe she just needs more practice at home. She said, my husband had Lyme disease and he's fine. <laughs> and I, and I knew from the writing though, cause you can tell with her writing, if it gets a little, little sloppy. Mm-hmm. I know that there's something wrong. And then I looked in her desk and I saw her pencils and her pencils were completely eaten up and I knew something was wrong. And I, but I knew she just wasn't telling me. So this was a truly an uphill battle where your teacher, Madeline, didn't even think you were sick and thought it was normal at this time. It sounds like. Yeah. And thankfully, thankfully for your mom, again, your mom knew something wasn't right and your mom helped you get additional treatment. So, so Alex, talk to us about the, the appointment or the visit with this now naturopathic doctor, Dr. Nicola in San Diego and how that was different from your experience with Dr. Jones. Okay. So it was, it was really awesome. I I really loved her approach to it. It was something that I was actually more comfortable doing because like I said, it's so harsh on their bodies. So this was really something that I was open to. And I think Madeline was too, because it didn't involve, you know, the, the powder, the right damp in getting stuck in the back of her throat. And so we were really open to it. And it was, it was really a, a great, great, great visit. 
So was the takeaway from this appointment with Dr. Nicola that you were going to use the Nutrimedics and the Byron White protocol? That was that was the end result? Yes. Yes. So we did start on, we did the Byron White and that did not work well with Madeline. It just wasn't, it just wasn't working well. Uh, we even went down to like a drop and it just wasn't, it wasn't for her. Um, I know it's a wonderful product though, and it's, it's worked, you know, miracles with others. It just doesn't work with Madeline's body well, but the Nutrimedics, it seems to work really, really well with Madeline. And um, even currently earlier this year, we were using, we were using it. And I think we even got her back up to like eight drops a day, which is good for her body. And we still do take vitamins. And yeah. Probiotics. Yeah. We're still on those daily. But I have some drops and they are amazing. Which tasting. ones? The hair one. The hair. Oh, yes. And then the muscle <laughs> one. Yeah. So she's on, um, she does take CBD oil. That's what she's talking about. Her muscle one. So yeah. talk to us about CBD oil. Why, why is Madeline taking CBD oil? Is that, is that for stress? Is it for inflammation? So I originally started using CBD oil on her when she was in the second grade. I was using it more for stress for school because at the time she was at a regular school and I just felt like it really helped with, you know, what was going on and the school is really rigorous and, you know, it's nonstop, you know, academics. So I was using it for that. And I also had read that it can help with, you know, joints too. So we do, we do that. So also talk to us a little more about the Nutrimedics, because we know that that particular brand is used for the Cowden protocol in adults. So mm -hmm. was it the Cowden protocol that you were using or was it a different type of, of product from Nutrimedics for, for Madeline? Different products. Um, I would have to say what we, or what I have, you know, probably going on at least once a year is the Hatunia. That one is probably our best friend because that one is what really kind of comes back into Madeline's life. So we, we definitely deal with that. So the herbs have really allowed you to get Madeline back to a good baseline. It sounds like Alex. Absolutely. Definitely. Yes. In fact, I don't know if we would go back to antibiotics. Um, if that's something that I would have to talk about with Madeline to see like if she's comfortable with that, you know, cause she is older now. Because back then it was truly like, you know, and this is another thing that's different with parents and with children when you're dealing with Lyme. It's like the whole weight falls on the parent. You have to make sure that everything that you're doing, like on your child, is going to work and that it's not going to harm them versus when you're an adult, you're making these decisions like for yourself. And it's just, it's so hard to like watch your child be the guinea pig essentially and see like what medications work. Oh no, this one caused way too big of a hurt. I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to start to give that to you. And I, I feel like that's really something that's like challenging as a parent to watch because they're trusting you and they're trusting that you're going to make the right decision for them. So, so the, with the Byron White protocol, was there herxing involved and that's why you pulled back or it just wasn't working at all. And that's why you pivoted over to the Nutrimedics. The Herxine was just way too much. Even at one drop, there was, there was just, it was just not happening. We were having, um, severe Lyme rage. I mean, severe. <laughs> 
and the herxine, the migraines, the, the body heat, the sweats, it was just too much. And when you have to pull down to one drop, that's where we were kind of like, maybe this isn't for us because maybe it's just, maybe it's too heavy. It's not working because if we can't even build up from one drop, then maybe we should look somewhere else. But like I said, I know it's an amazing, you know, thing and it's done, you know, great things for others. So Madeline, do you think that the herbs, the drops that you're taking are better for you? Do you, I guess first, are they easier to take? Yeah. They don't taste as gross, right? Yeah, they taste better, but the one thing though mom, that I don't like is gummies. The gummies? Yeah, you know I take gummies. Oh, those are vitamins. He's talking uh, about like um, the drops from like uh, Dr. Nicola, the ones that like have like a funky taste or they smell weird. The brown drops. Those ones. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about those. Yeah, those ones, they smell. They smell funky. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> So Madeline, do you feel better since you've taken those drops? Do you think you feel better and you're not as angry? Um, I feel like I'm the same, but maybe if like, I don't know. I feel like I'm the same, like they didn't help or make anything worse. I feel okay. like it was the same. Like it wasn't bad. So Alex, what are your thoughts? Because you mentioned that it was about two years ago when Madeline had this, this setback and was not doing so well. Do you think that the herbs helped her in any way? I do. I do feel like that they did, especially the Nutrimex ones. Like I said, I have those just sitting ready because I, like I said, I feel like it comes back maybe yearly. So I, I'm a fan of it. And I feel like it does help Madeline tremendously. And it's something that's really easy to, you know, to give to her. And she doesn't fight me on it. So <laughs> let's talk about how you're feeling today, Madeline. Do you still get migraines as bad as you used to? No, it's pretty rare when I get them. Yeah. What about like your knee pain and the pain in your legs? Does that still happen? Um. No, not really, but I remember once I had a growing spurt, so besides that, no. And and what about your tiredness, the fatigue? Are you feeling a little bit more energy these days now? Yeah, definitely. So Madeline, it sounds like you made a lot of progress since you were since you were sick, that you've come a long way and you're feeling a lot better. Yeah. So Alex, what do you think? It sounds like it sounds like Madeline's maybe in remission. Yeah, no, definitely. I would, I would say that she is like 100%. We're not on anything right now. She's just living off of like vitamins and glutathione and her CBD. So it's basically just maintenance and just, you know, working on trying to feed her as clean as possible with the limited food <laughs> options that she gives me. Cause Madeline is a really picky eater. And that's something that's also super challenging to try to direct, especially with someone that has Lyme, because, you know, you got to kind of stay away from all the dairy and from the sugars and from the gluten. And then when you have, and the dyes, and then when you have a child that's picky, it makes it even that much more challenging. So, like I said, even when you're an adult and you have Lyme, at least, you know, and you could kind of say like, okay, well, maybe I don't feel like having a salad today, but I know that I need to have a salad because it's going to like, you know, it's all about maintenance and keeping up versus you have like my Madeline here and she doesn't care. She's not having a salad. It's going to be a battle, you know? 
So Alex, talk to us about the glutathione. You mentioned that that's something you take from a maintenance standpoint. Is that what, was that something that was recommended by Dr. Nicola? Yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I don't think I will ever take Madeline off. I hope she continues to stay on it even when she's older and she's not with me. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of it. So we get questions often, can children take glutathione? I think obviously you've answered that for us because Madeline is on it, but what benefits have you seen that have in Madeline's health? Okay. So I feel like it helps her mentally. I feel like it's, it helps her be a little bit more clear versus where things maybe get lost or she maybe get brain fog. That's where I feel like it has helped her tremendously. I really want to now take take a pivot in, in this discussion and talk about how you've used this journey to help other people and to have a positive impact in the world as a whole. So, Alex, I know you and Madeline have done some really cool stuff to give back after this experience. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So basically what Madeline and I did, and, you know, we've talked about this before, even when Madeline was younger, when she was first diagnosed with Lyme, she was really upset about having Lyme disease. And she was really embarrassed. I could never even speak with other people, um, about her Lyme disease. Cause she just felt it was something that she was really embarrassed about. And I used to have talks with her and say like, you know, you got this for a reason. There's a reason why you have Lyme. There's a reason why you got it when you were five years old. There's, there's a reason behind everything. And I truly feel like the reason is because, you know, maybe there needs to be more awareness out there for, you know, pediatric Lyme. And I feel like, you know, Madeline was given an outlet to do that. And so I feel like it's really important that she uses her voice and that she, you know, when she's comfortable, I think she's getting a little bit more comfortable speaking about it, especially this year. And so we wrote the book. And in fact, the doctor in there is Dr. Kurtz. That was our doctor that saw the rash, the very first one. So that's him. It looks exactly like him too. So it's so funny. So um, we wrote the book and I, I truly, I wanted to do a book because um, there's not a lot of kid line books. Yeah. We just wanted to add to it. And um, I really wanted something that was bright and fun for Madeline because when she was five, I remember looking and seeing like, okay, can I find a really big, bright line book that I could read to her so that she's not so scared. And so that she's not you know, feeling like she's the only one because she ultimately was the only one at her school that had Lyme. And so that's kind of how the whole, you know, project got started. So Alex, where can people find this book if they want to purchase it? And, and Rich and I have bought it and it's a great, it's a great book and great resource we recommend everybody, everybody buy, but where can they go find the book and what's the name of it? Oh, thank you so much. Um, it is available online at Amazon, Target, Walmart, there's also an ebook version that's available in case you, you know, don't want to physically have a book or you just want to have it easy, you know, to read on, you know, a Kindle or any kind of a, a phone format that'll work too. So it's not, it's not compatible fax machines though. It's not, <laughs> not yet. I might be able to work something out. I could definitely print it out though. And I can mail you one. <laughs> That was obviously a joke referring to Dr. Yeah, uh, Dr. Dr. Jones that's and his fax machine. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying because, you know, I had to send her application to him. I had to mail it in a vanilla envelope. So I was saying I could print out the book to you and send it in a vanilla envelope too. So I, I know you mentioned that Madeline is really not, um, you know, she when comfortable, she's 
speaking out. But I think just the fact that you're here, Madeline, today on this podcast is amazing because you're you're going to be 10 pretty soon. You you feel much better. You've gone through so much in your life and you're here sharing your story to help other people. And that's really amazing. So thank you for that, Madeline. You're welcome. So Alex, is there anything else that you see coming down the road for you guys? You created this brilliant book for children and it's all about Lyme disease and raising awareness and advocating for the community. What else have you done? I mean, I'm looking at your Instagram right now and there's just so many cool things that you've done to help the community. Oh, thank you. You know, I guess what I, well, Madeline and I would like to write a part two. Mm-hmm. So we, we really would like to do that. And I guess a goal for me personally is I'd like to get more involved with other foundations and seeing how I can help. And the reason being I'm saying I and me <laughs> is because I want to lay that work down for Madeline because she is only 10 years old and I want her to, you know, focus on her health right now. And, you know, maybe in a year or two, like she can see what I'm doing and then follow, you know, and start working with other foundations, maybe even hop on calls with other kids that have Lyme, which she's done already. And that has been so amazing. And that's made my heart like so warm because she's met other kids on Facebook and, you know, they talk and they FaceTime and it's really awesome for them. So if people are listening and they want to get in touch with you to either talk as a parent or as, as a potentially their child to touch base with, with Madeline, what's the best way to contact you social media, email? How should they reach out to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, my email, my Instagram, my phone number, no. um, any way, I mean, we're totally open. I love, love, love speaking to other parents about Lyme and what their children are going through, especially what they're going through. Um, I met a mother, Brandy. She's been amazing. I've, um, I've met, Brandy, oh I'm sorry, Brandy Dean. Is that who you're referring to? Yes. Oh, she's the best. Yes. You're in I good company. Love, <laughs> yes. I love Brandy. So, I mean, I've met so many incredible moms, you know, because of this. And I just know that it's going to happen for Madeline too. Like as she gets older and as she becomes like, you know, more and more comfortable, you know, with this and speaking up and, you know, just spreading awareness. So, I know that's going to happen. So the final question we ask all of our guests, and this is going to be directed towards you, Alex. If tomorrow, the pizza, no, we'll hold that for after. (laughs) If, if God forbid tomorrow, Madeline came in and had a tick biting on her leg, what would you do? Oh my goodness. What would I do? I'd get the lighter. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) No, I, oh my goodness. I'm like, what would you, would I take it out or would you take it out? I would not take. You it wouldn't out. take it out. I don't okay. blame you. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know what to do, but then I'm thinking, what if it were to happen tomorrow? Um, I I would. I guess I would do the whole the. Oh my I'm goodness! I'm like, is the there a wrong? Is there? There's a tick on me that's biting me, and I don't know about it. I know. So I'm wondering. I'm like, am I gonna get the wrong answer here? Because I I know what. You know, I would try to get everything. I would try the head, obviously. And I would save the tick, get the tick tested. I'm not quite sure I would get Madeline tested because I already know what to look out for. I would just look out for symptoms. Maybe a rash would populate. I'm not sure, but I definitely would. I would take out the tick myself and make sure I get the head, everything. And no, no blood work for Madeline, right? Madeline wants no, no blood work. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm always down for blood work because we have to see what the body's doing, but Madeline is not a fan of it. And like I said, when she's doing blood work, the whole hospital, or not the Everybody hospital, is. but the whole doctor's office knows that she's in. Nobody wants to take my blood. She scared one of the nurses. One of the nurses said, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, one, one of the downsides of this being an audio podcast is our viewers can't see Madeline's face when I ask that question. So the, the, but there, there, to answer your question, there is no wrong answer here because look, people freak out when they get bit by a tick. Knowing what I know, I was bit last year by a Lone Star tick. I had a complete panic attack, ripped it off my leg. The thing dropped on the floor and I did everything wrong. So it's, it's really, it's something that I think we should all be prepared for. And we don't think right. about it enough, but it's something that your emotions take over because of, of knowing how bad it can truly be. So we appreciate your honesty on that, on Alex. Okay, great. So, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> and just as a, as, a, as a final note here, we're going to put your contact information in the show notes. So for everybody listening, check out the show notes in the description. We'll have links to your social media and for ways for other parents and children to contact you to coordinate some discussions so you can help. And we want to just tell everybody to keep their eyes open because this, this podcast is going to be the first of many things that I think we're going to do together to help raise awareness for the community and advocate for change in the Lyme world. So again, Alex, Madeline, thank you so much for joining us today. And we can't thank you enough for all of your help and, and contributions to the community. Yes. Thank you guys so thank much you. for having us. This was Madeline's first time speaking. Um, at a podcast and yeah. sharing her story. So thank you so much for having us. And thank you for putting my information, you know, so people can see it because, um, and I, I truly mean it. If there are any parents out there or children that even want to reach out and speak to us or just even vent, please do so because I'm always here. And Madeline has made friends um, with other kids because of social media. So yeah, we're excited for that. Thank you for listening to the Tick Boot Camp interview with our guests, Alexandra and Madeline Castellanos. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Alexandra or Madeline Castellanos, please purchase their book, Miley's Lime Story, or visit their Instagram page at Miley's Lime Story. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that's been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note, we would appreciate any input or any improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank your community for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.